to look at. Uh, we finished up Psalms last week and um, wanted to try to encourage you to uh, take some time. And again, anytime I make any kind of recommendation like this, I want to preface it by saying that you, when you deal with um, sources that are from men, you have to understand that they are sources from men. But there is a work uh, that is out there by Charles Spurgeon on the book of Psalms that is probably one of the greatest sets of commentaries on the on the Psalms that I've, I've ever uh, known. And I, I've read through them uh, numerous times and just always a blessing to my heart. Um, but uh, it's called Treasury of David. And uh, it's open source, so it's, uh, it's a public domain, so it's online. Uh, freely available to you if you don't want to buy the books. I think they have them in a, a book volume, a three-volume set or so that you can get through uh, some of these local book dealers, but you can also look them up online. And I would encourage you, if you're going to take, uh, take up the idea or the practice of reading one psalm a day, I would encourage you to get a hold of these things. Um, typically, you can read his commentary on a particular psalm in about 18 minutes or so, 20 minutes depending on your speed of reading. Uh, if you don't like reading or you're slow reading, uh, there are people that have recorded these, uh, and they're available even on like YouTube and places like that. Just type in Treasury of David Spurgeon and type in the, the, the psalm number, and they'll pop up. And it's not, even though it's on YouTube, it's not a video, it's an audio recording, so it just has a picture up there while, while they're reading it. But uh, I promise you it'll be a, a blessing to you, it'll be a help to you. And want to encourage you, in that, especially if you uh, are going through times of discouragement, or you're, you feel like your uh, your spiritual uh, temperature is growing cold, or, or you know, we we go through those times, don't we? The ups and downs, it seems like. And uh, these are things that will stir your heart and be a help to you. So I want to encourage you, in that. And uh, I don't often re- recommend things. Uh, other than the Bible through uh, the pulpit, but I think this is something that is beneficial enough for our folks to, to take heed to, so I think it would be a, a big help to you. All right, let's turn to the book of Proverbs. Uh, the book of Proverbs is a, a wonderful book. It's a little different than any other book of Scripture. Um, it deals with <coughs> the issue of wisdom in uh, the areas. It's a very, very practical book, and it helps to teach people how to live life skillfully and uh, uh, in a right way, a way that God intended <coughs> to live this godly life that God intends for us to live. I don't know if you've realized this or not. It's not always an easy task, is it? Uh, it's uh, something that I think a lot of times our heart desires, but we struggle at doing. And some of the reason why we struggle at doing it is we don't always know how. Uh, I was meeting with some folks even just this week and uh, have dealt with them on a few issues uh, over the years and a couple of times. And, and uh, the biggest thing is, is to teach folks sometimes how to accomplish what they know they should be doing. And even in our own lives, we need to look at this, that there are sometimes we need to know the how. And so Proverbs is very, very practical in that not only does it teach us what our character ought to be, uh, in life, but it also teaches us very, very practically how to accomplish these things. <coughs> it covers every facet uh, of relationships in our life and how to live our lives. Uh, there's, it's just a, a rich book that 
deals with almost every aspect you could think of in your life. There are several areas that it teaches on. It teaches on our relationship or our walk with God, uh, how we ought to uh, be uh, with regards to God, how we ought to be with regards to parents, uh, both how we're to be parents and how we're to, to relate to our parents, uh, both in uh, teaching you how the children are to act and how they're to respond to their parents, how, uh, how we ought to be um, uh, honoring our folks, our parents, and then also uh, how to teach and train children is given in Proverbs. It deals with the relationship of our neighbors or our friend. And, uh, of course, we understand uh, from Scripture um, when Jesus said that the second greatest law was to love thy neighbor as thyself, and they asked him, who then is our neighbor? And Jesus answers with a parable of the Good Samaritan and uh, the idea that uh, those that have a need are our neighbors. They're the ones that uh, should be uh, treated this way. So it teaches us some things about our uh, associates and, our, of course, our, our, uh, 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 those that we associate with. Uh, it talks about being careful uh, who our friends are, um, making sure we have quality friends, trying to stay away from those that would lead us or guide us the wrong way. All of these are dealt with in Proverbs. It deals with <coughs> a man's relationship with government, how we ought to submit to authority, how we ought to have a godly influence on authority uh, in our governments. And uh, so all of these areas of life, if you will, uh, are covered in the Proverbs. A lot of them are um, standalone, uh, especially after we get past chapter number 8. Uh, you'll find there's an awful lot of uh, single or maybe two verses or sometimes three verses in a row uh, that deal with one subject. And they're, uh, somebody uh, called them years ago, they're single-verse sermons. And uh, they each teach you something very, very clear. And they're compiled that way for a purpose. They're to teach very, very practical wisdom. And the, the structure, the way they're written, is to give a contrast and comparison. Um, they, the, there's a, a, a word that uh, people use to describe them in that these are often antithetical, meaning that they state one thing, uh, one direction, and then they give the opposite. Uh, so, uh, for instance, they may say, it's good if you do this, and then they say, but if you do this over here, it's bad. So they'll, they'll give you the reciprocal of it. So that you have that contrast and comparison. And not just told what to do, but also what not to do in the same verse um, or vice versa. The Proverbs were compiled uh, under Solomon's reign. Most of them were uh, under Solomon's reign. Now, you've got to understand that during the time of Solomon, Israel as a nation is at their pinnacle. I mean, they are, they're uh, probably closer to God than they've ever been. They're building the temple. Solomon's temple gets completed. And uh, the worship of Israel has been what it was, especially in the early years of Solomon, the first half of his reign. Um, they are the, the most prosperous they've ever been at this point. Um, they're uh, looked at by the world and regarded it as, at the, by the world as um, someone to look up to. Uh, and they have the respect of those around them for uh, the first time in, in a long time in the course of their history, to be honest with you. And so they're kind of at the pinnacle here. And really under Solomon's reign, they reached that pinnacle. And never before that has Israel been what they were under his reign. And, and to be real frank, I don't think that ever since then they have been. And they won't be, I believe, until 
uh, Christ comes to uh, be their king again during the millennial reign. And uh, so it's taking place during these golden years. And uh, Solomon is using these to instruct the nation of Israel in righteous living and having character and uh, living the way that God would want them to live. Many of the Proverbs are written by um, Solomon. Uh, generically, when we think of Proverbs, we say, okay, they're uh, written by Solomon, and all of them were written by Solomon. But the truth is, not all of them were. Uh, he did compile some from other sources. We know that from other portions of Scripture. And uh, we know that at least chapter number 30 was written by uh, a man that uh, was named Agur, A-G-U-R, and uh, 31 was written by Lemuel. And there's been a lot of discussion over the years, and people have said, well, those were just different names for Solomon. And there's some indication that that could be the case. Um, but it's not something I would hang my hat on and say for sure that it's definitive and we absolutely know that. But there is some evidence that it could have been Solomon even during those times. But we do know that chapters 25 through 29 uh, were compiled uh, and some of them even written by some of the scribes under Hezekiah's rule, which was about 250 years after the time of Solomon. And uh, so we're going to look at some of this as we go through. Solomon's name uh, appears. There's three main sections that his name appears on, so he takes responsibility for the authorship of these. And uh, hold your Bi- or take your Bibles, if you will, and let's turn to Proverbs 1. We're going to look at all three of these sections. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, The Proverbs of Solomon. So these are ones that are attributed to him. The wisest man or the wisest king of Israel, probably the wisest man who's ever lived. Uh, if you remember the story, prayed for wisdom and uh, was so well known in the region that literally other countries and um, oftentimes some of the dignitaries from other nations would come and consult with, with uh, Solomon uh, because of his wisdom and uh, speaks very highly of him. When the, um, the Queen of Sheba came to uh, see everything, she'd heard the, the, all these accolades of Solomon and his greatness and the kingdom and the greatness of the kingdom. And uh, after having seen all of it, uh, was asked her thought on it, and she said, the half hadn't been told to me. Uh, and she, she came because she didn't believe all that had been told to her. She thought there's no way it could be that, and said even the half had not been told to her. And uh, so Solomon is attributed with these, psalm, or with these proverbs that begin in chapter 1 and verse number 1. And these go all the way through chapter 9, the end of chapter 9. So chapter 1 through chapter 9 is a section of proverbs that are attributed specifically uh, to Solomon. Uh, then let's go to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter number 10. And we find once again uh, he's named here. And so at the end of chapter 9, we find that uh, <clears throat> he's still considered the author of them. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 1, once again we see the phrase, the Proverbs of Solomon. And so again we know that this section of Proverbs are ones that Solomon himself had actually penned or written. He wrote over 3,000 of them in his lifetime that he was uh, given credit for. And uh, he does uh, this all the way through chapter number 22 and uh, verse number 26. So the uh, basically, the end of uh, chapter number 22, we find um, uh, Solomon's 
Uh, Proverbs go all the way down almost to the end of the chapter there in chapter number 22. Then there's kind of a break, and there's some other Proverbs that come from other sources. They're not attributed necessarily to Solomon, uh, but he was the one responsible for compiling them and getting them together and uh, using many of them uh, to teach uh, the people of Israel. And then uh, the last one would be, the last section would be chapter number 25. If you'll turn over to chapter 25, and let's look in verse number 1. And once again, we're going to see the third section now uh, of Proverbs that are attributed to Solomon. It says, These also are also Proverbs of Solomon. Notice this, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. So uh, these were ones that Solomon was responsible for writing were probably not part of the whole of the book that had been compiled up to this point, uh, but were later added to the book by Hezekiah and his scribes. Um, if you remember, under Hezekiah's rule, uh, the Israel's coming from a wicked, wicked king, and uh, Hezekiah is um, he takes the book of, of God and he, he begins to, to have it read and he begins to bring the people back to God. And so there's a great emphasis under his rule uh, to bring the hearts of the people of Israel back to God. And so uh, he finds and he searches out uh, further Proverbs from Solomon. And from chapter 25 to chapter 29, we find those Proverbs were written by Solomon, but compiled by uh, the, uh, the scribes, the leaders of Hezekiah. Uh, look with me, if you will, in 1 Kings chapter number 4. 1 Kings chapter number 4, <clears throat> and let's look in verse number 32. Now, uh, chapter uh, 4 is dealing with uh, Solomon. You'll find that in verse 26 and 27. You'll see that it's dealing here with Solomon. Solomon had 40,000 souls of horses and officers provided and goes through all of this stuff. Verse number 30, Solomon's wisdom uh, talks about that. And then look at verse number 32. So again, in reference of Solomon, it says, And he, meaning Solomon, spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And so not only did he have 3,000 proverbs, but he had 1,500 songs. Again, just a tremendous wealth of wisdom and knowledge. He was a man who... In the early years, especially of his of his reign, was blessed by God and was a man who sought after God. His heart longed for God, and as a result, he wrote many, many of these things. We don't have all of them in our Bible, but we have the ones that God chose for us to have and were inspired to be put together in our in our Bible. <clears throat> he compiled the book using not only his proverbs but also some that were collected from other sources. And we know that there were some collected from other sources because of uh, what is stated. And uh, let's look in Ecclesiastes, if you will, chapter number 12. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. And uh, let's go to verse number 10. The preacher here is being referred to and uh, is, is in reference to uh, Solomon. Solomon uh, uh, referred to himself as the preacher in the sense that he was the one who stood before the people and would proclaim these things. He would state these things. So these 
uh, we found in 1 Kings chapter 4 were spoken by Solomon, not just written down, but he would say these things to the people of Israel. And uh, verse number 10, it says, The preacher sought to find out acceptable words. So this was, uh, not only did he have wisdom, but he sought for wisdom. And he sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was up, uh, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from uh, one shepherd. And further, by these, my son, be admonished. And so he said, not only uh, are, do you need to listen to my wisdom, but he said, I want you to search out the wisdom uh, of of those that are wise. And uh, so again, he. Uh, put a lot of uh, effort, a lot of time, personally, in searching out the words of the wise. And as a result, he uh, found some that um, he felt were, were important enough to put into this collection that we have in our Bible today of, uh, of uh, Proverbs. Um, let's, look in, uh, let's go ahead and look in 1 Kings again, if you will. And I want to show you this. I made a statement a minute ago, but let me show you from Scripture about this. Uh, that many of the folks from the surrounding areas would often come to Solomon uh, to try to search out his wisdom. Uh, 1 Kings chapter number 4. And uh, let's go to verse number 34. 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 34. Could you imagine having that kind of wisdom? God would bless you with that kind of wisdom that nations would come, that the people that were around you would come and seek out your wisdom or the wisdom that God had given to you. Look in verse number 34. It says, And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. And so we know from other portions of Scripture that these words of wisdom that Israel was um, so benefited by by their own king, were words of wisdom that not only the nation of Israel was, was benefited by, but the whole world was benefited by them. And by the way, uh, we're still reading them today. So we're still benefiting from them. People all over the world that read the Proverbs are still benefited by these words of wisdom that God gave to Solomon. Um, also in chapter number 10, if you want to take time to read that account, uh, I'm sorry, first, did I say Proverbs chapter 10? I meant 1 Kings chapter 10, excuse me. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 10, and uh, you can t- I'm not going to read the whole account for you, <clears throat> but in chapter 10, and uh, reading uh, from verses 1 to 13, uh, is the account of Sheba, uh, when she came, the Queen of Sheba, when she came to uh, see Solomon, and you can take time to read that if you want to know where that account is in Scripture. Uh, it's in 1 Kings chapter number 10. And beginning in verse number 1 down through about verse number 13 or so. Chapter number 30 was written by King Agur. And so let's go back to Proverbs for a moment. And uh, look in ver- uh, chapter number 30 and verse number 1. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 1. So again, we have very clearly given in Scripture who the author of this particular uh, collection of Proverbs is, and that is King Agur, the son of Jacob. Uh, even the prophecy, the man spake unto Ithiel, un, uh, even unto Ithiel and Ucal, and so on. 
So, uh, again, this, is, this particular collection of Proverbs is written by uh, Agur. Uh, and then in chapter number 31, we'll find that this collection, uh, dealing with the virtuous woman, uh, are the words of King Lemuel. Now, there is a lot of... Um, a lot of discussion over whether or not this is Solomon himself who's just going under the name of Lemuel. There really is not any, any uh, definitive evidence to point that way, uh, but there is a, a, a few arguments made that have a little bit of weight to them perhaps. The truth of the matter is it doesn't matter who the author is as much as the content is. I just want you to be aware of uh, the, the process that this book came to be and who God used to, uh, as human instruments to pen these Proverbs. Uh, proverbs is set up as a collection of lessons on topical issues rather than historical things. So uh, up until now, we've read a lot of history of Israel. Even when we got into the prophetic books of Job and uh, even the Psalms, a lot of history is found in those. You don't find a whole lot of history in Proverbs. Uh, they're written topically rather than historically. <clears throat> Let's look in uh, 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 Jeremiah chapter 18. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles over there, if you will. <clears throat> historically, there are three sources that God uses to speak to His people. When He needs to get something through to them, uh, there were three sources that the nation of Israel would look to uh, to find what God had for them. And we're going to look at those real quick here. Uh, first of all, <coughs> excuse me, in Jeremiah chapter 18, and let's look down in verse number 18. The Bible says, Then, they, uh, then, they, uh, then said they, Come, and let us devise devices against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor the counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. So we find three different... Uh, Folks that are mentioned here in verse number 18, we have the priest, we have the prophets, and we have those that are wise. And these are three things in each of the, or three uh, types of people that Israel would look to for God to speak through them, to teach them things. And each of them had a particular role. Uh, for instance, it says here in verse number 18 that the law shall not perish from the priest. So the priest's responsibility to Israel was to instruct them in the law and to make sure that they were fulfilling the law and doing all the things that God had already given to them. Then we have uh, the prophets, and these were uh, those that would continue to give additional revelation that God wanted to give to His people. So this would be something that had not been addressed before in the law or something that maybe had been addressed as a principle, that now he's going to break it down and give a lot more detail and instruction on that particular principle. And he would use prophets to do that. And then he says this, in verse number 18, it says, nor the counsel from the wise. So those that were wise were there to help, <coughs> not to instruct in the law, not to give new uh, revelation, but to give counsel in the understanding of it and the application of it. So three different sources. And by the way, it would do us well to follow that pattern in Scripture. We don't have priests today. We don't have prophets today. We don't have wise people today. <laughs> I don't want to say it that way. But we do have God's Word. And we know that His Word it fills all three of those roles. 
And so we look to the law, we look to the Word of God for instruction from God uh, to know things that are right and that are wrong. We look to the Word of God to learn new things that we don't know yet. And by the way, we don't look to some word of knowledge that some man in a pulpit gets. We look to the Word of God for those things. And we look to the Word of God for our counsel to understand these things. The best, the best, defin, the best uh, commentary on the Bible is the Bible. The best definition for the Bible, if you need to define a Bible word, is the Bible. Uh, you can use other sources once you've uh, exhausted all that there is in the Scriptures, but there is no thing better in our hands to use for understanding Scripture than Scripture. And uh, what a tremendous book this, this thing is. I want to bring out a point here, and I'm not sure that we're going to finish this lesson today because I want to spend a few moments on this point. Understand that when God was was using men to write Scripture, uh, we've taught this before, about how many years uh, did God use men to write Scripture? Anybody remember? Roughly, there's, there's a ballpark figure. About 1,500 years. Some people say about 14-ish, 15-ish, somewhere in that range but about that long period of time. Understand this, that when God instructed the first man to write and pen Scripture, they didn't have the rest of Scripture. There was continuing revelation being given. As a result of that, if you take that one person's book and you don't look anywhere else in Scripture for a foundation of a doctrine, then you're going to miss a lot of that doctrine. Doctrine has to be established on the entirety of God's revelation through His book. Because He doesn't... If, if, and I've, I've watched and I've, I've done it myself, sadly, from the pulpit I have done it in years past, and I try not to do it any longer. But sadly, we find one portion of Scripture... And we come up with a belief or a, a truth statement that we're going to teach, or we put a doctrinal stance on it, and we ignore everything else that addresses it throughout Scripture. Understand that God gave for 1,500 years continuing revelation. Now, we don't have that today. The revelation is finished. God's told us that in Scripture. We don't have continuing revelation, so we don't have anything new today. But we need to be careful in our, we call the, the term we use is hermeneutics, the understanding of Scripture or the interpretation of Scripture. We have to be very, very careful that we don't take one passage and make a doctrine out of it. We've got to look at the entirety of Scripture on it. Because sometimes God stated something and then gave further instruction on it down the, down the road. Um, we, we need to be careful on this. And I, I will say it this way, and, I, and then I'm going to move on. I'm not going to belabor the point. But we're living in a time where um, we can get a lot of amens by preaching a particular passage of Scripture a certain way. And we can get a lot of, a lot of folks shouting and hollering about it and, 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 or saying, boy, Pastor, that was really good. And the truth is it may not be fully scriptural. It's important, and in our Baptist churches, we encourage people to keep a Bible in their hands. There's, there have been denominations, there have been uh, folks that have been religious leaders over the years, uh, down through history, 
that said, look, people that are sitting in the pews, they, don't, they can't understand this book. Only uh, the leader, only the, the elder, only the priest has the uh, special unction from, uh, from God himself to understand it, and only he can teach it rightly. That is not true. We believe in, in uh, uh, the priesthood of the believer. We believe in individual soul liberty and the fact that men uh, have the absolute right and the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them if they've trusted Him as their Savior, to understand this book on their own. Um, we encourage folks to keep the Word of God on their laps when we preach for a couple reasons. I've, I've been wrong, not as right as I would have liked to have been sometimes in my life. You ever been there? And it helps. It helps. When you have a lot of folks looking at the same thing, saying, you know what, preacher, we might have missed that one. Let's go back and look at it a little further in Scripture. That, that I believe, is the biblical way. I, I tell our folks, if there's ever a time that we don't understand it or we think that that's not quite right, come see me about it. Because I don't, if I am wrong, I don't want to keep teaching it wrong. Our desire is to teach it right. And, and I don't have a problem in the world with somebody saying, Pastor, uh, let's take another look at this. Can you show me? I mean, I'm not sure you're, you're quite getting this because I've been wrong before. I, I encourage us in this. On the other side of that coin, I hope all of us are of that mindset. I hope every single one of us are here saying, if I can be shown in Scripture where that is not what I've been thinking all along, then I'll follow Scripture. Above anything else, I will follow Scripture. Because at the end of the day, this book is our authority. This book is the truth that God has given to us. I'm thankful for men that take and use the truth of God to teach us. But truth does not come from men. Truth comes from this book. And we need to be very careful in our own personal study. We need to be careful even when I'm preaching, and I'm not saying you need to be careful when everybody else is preaching, even when I'm preaching, to search the Scriptures and see if these things are so. Make sure that we're teaching rightly. And uh, our desire is that. If, if you feel like I'm not, then come see me. And uh, we'll look it up together. And either I'll be right or you'll be right or maybe neither one of us will be right and we'll see something else from Scripture that will help us. But we will be drawn closer to the truth that God has for us if we'll approach it with a teachable heart and a teachable spirit saying, Lord, I want your word above all else to be that which establishes my, my belief, my convictions, my doctrine, all of it. And uh, we've got to be so careful of these things. Uh, because I, I have taught things wrongly in the past, and I'll be honest with you, there's not a pastor standing in the pulpit that's been doing uh, preaching for any length of time at all that at some point or another has not made some mistake in it. We're, we're human. We are fallible. But there's one thing in this world that I know absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, is infallible, and that is this book. And while I may be wrong, I know it's not. And so uh, I want to encourage us in this. The nation of Israel looked to three sources for their truth. They looked to the priest to instruct them in the law. They looked to the prophets for continued 
revelation from God on topics of doctrine and things they ought to live their life by. And they looked to those that were wise for counsel and understanding in applying those truths to their lives. And I think we ought to approach the Word of God looking for all three of those in this book. And I hope that will be a help to you. We'll finish the, the lesson on Proverbs next week. We'll go ahead and dismiss and uh, uh, be ready for the next service. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for your Word. We pray that you'll bless it. And Lord, help us to learn from it. I pray that you would help it to... Uh, may you help us. May you help our hearts to be firm in our resolve that this book is our sole source. It's our only source of truth. It's all that you've given to us that we can look to and say we know without any shadow of a doubt that there is an infallibility to this book and what it says. There is no error. There is no problems with it. So, Father, help us to anchor our lives and our 